Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And my grandmother gave me the, the most powerful weapon anyone can give anyone else. She gave me a library card. And welcome to the 108th. Yeah, you just said it before we started numbers. recording. I can't do numbers. 108th episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How are you doing today, Jill? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. By the way, you can just say like episode 108. Just say like the number. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only, I'll be honest. The only, I finally realized this this weekend. Oh, because, I guess I can. Can't yeah. I? <laughs> no, one of my, so one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to is The Nerdist with Chris Hardwick. And he's in like the 700s in his episodes or something insane. <gasps> and I noticed that this this weekend, he does what what we do at the beginning of every podcast. He says what number it is. So he does say, he's like, welcome to the Nerds podcast. This episode is 708. Like he'll just, and I'm like, oh, that's a way better way of doing it. It is a way better. That. 108. So, yeah. Episode 108. So, thanks, Chris. You're the gift that keeps on giving. So yeah. Fun times. How are things? Good. Good. Good's good. Happy library. Happy National Library Week. It is National Library Week. That's and that's kind of what we're gonna. What this that is, is exactly what we're talking about. You spent a lot of time doing this episode, so I'm gonna let you talk about it. Well, I have some help from you. Um, <laughs> so obviously, we have interviewed authors over the year and a half or whatever that we've been around. Yep. Um, and we often ask them if they have any memories or thoughts um, about libraries and the importance of libraries, mm-hmm. and so. Of course they do, because writers usually do. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course. Saying. So, uh, yeah, no, I picked some of our favorites um, and just kind of put them combined into mm-hmm. one episode. Yeah, and I, it's cool to go back because you pulled some of these from very recent episodes, but then you pulled some from like some of the first interviews we ever did. Um so yeah, it was cool to go back and and see all the different stories that people have to tell, because a lot of uh, there's a lot of variety and diversity. You know, some people say they didn't have access to a library when they were growing up, and some of them say that they spent every day in a library because yep. their parents were librarians yep. and things like that. So um, obviously, we preach about the importance of libraries. We day. do, but it's cool to hear authors feel the same way agreed so um yeah we interviewed um a whole bunch of them and those quotes made it into this episode um they are all in the show notes in order so if you don't want to listen through all of them or if there's one you're particularly interested um you can sort of forward it fast forward the episode and find it i also have the in the show notes the episode number from the original interview nice i know i'm smart wow so if you want to go back and maybe are a newer listener or um, haven't listened to some of our earlier episodes, you can skip the first couple episodes, but <laughs> we're still working on the sound. But if there is a, a particular author interview you have not listened to yet or you want to go back and listen to, the episode numbers in the show notes as well. So you can 
you can do that. Yeah, I will say that's something. I think that's one of the reasons that our podcast is kind of resonating with people because if you listen to a podcast that's about like news or current events, they have a shelf life, admittedly. But books are very much evergreen. You yeah. know, we every month we do our biggest books of the month coming out. And that's great. And everyone loves new releases. But I mean, I would say probably half the books I read are they're not new releases at all. So it's, you know, if you go back and you hear us talk to Matthew Quick or James Patterson or anybody that's in this episode in the past, go back and listen to it. You know, just because a book came out a year ago doesn't mean it's not special. Well, even then, I was thinking about this, too, that when we do the book, like the books we're looking forward to episodes or anything like that. Um, or when we're interviewing authors, we're usually doing it around a time they have a, a book coming out. Mm-hmm. You might have to wait for it. There right. might be a hold. Whereas if you go back to those episodes and those interviews from like a year ago, you might not have to actually wait because it's Absolutely. sort of, you know, it's now on that sort of not as popular because there's other books coming out and stuff like that. Right. So. Especially if it is a book that, you know, we're fortunate that a lot of the authors that we've been interviewing lately, they, they have pretty big releases that have been coming out. And so with that, libraries tend to purchase a large mm-hmm. number of copies to meet demand early. So that helps you out, you know, six months, a year later, because there is going to be a very good chance that those titles are going to be available. Unless they're Harry Potter, and then there's probably still a wait list for all yeah, those Yeah, unfortunately, books. that's just one you just have to get used to waiting for. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that... I really like that you came up with this idea. I think it's a really great way for people to hear some great stories from authors that, like you said, if they're newer to the podcast, they might not have heard in the past. And then if they want some more recommendations, I, you know, that's a great way to find some, some as well that way. So agreed. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what this episode is all about. You'll also probably notice if you follow us on Twitter at pro book nerds, we've been sharing a bunch of images from, some of the shorter versions of these stories, we took some author quotes and we made some graphics out of them. And um, yeah, trying to get as many as many legs out of National Library because we can, because I actually joked yesterday on Twitter, I think, you know, if if you use libraries as much as we do, it's kind of like every week is National Library Week. Every week week is National Library Week. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Have you been reading anything lately? I feel like we haven't sat in a room together in like a week. Have I? I did. I, I, uh, we received um, the advanced reader copies of Mary Kubica's upcoming book. Um, <laughs> we received a lot of copies of that. We received a lot of copies. So um, I just finished reading that. I actually had not read any of her books before. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like our coworker, Emma. That is definitely her. Yeah. That's genre. her jam. That's her jam. She <laughs> loves, and she's especially, I know she's mentioned Mary Kubica specifically, um, but we got these books and it sounded interesting. I was like, I'll try it. And I'm like, I kind of want to read all of her books. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really enjoyed that one. It's definitely in that sort of marriage thriller yeah. genre of book. Um, so I just finished that and I have not quite found anything yet. <laughs> what about you? I, so... In the beginning of May, you and I are moderating a panel for Fierce Reads. Uh, are. If, if people aren't familiar with there, it's a young adult. Uh, I believe it's Macmillan. Um, Fierce Reads is a, like a, I don't know if it's an imprint technically, but Fierce Reads is a part of Macmillan and it's a lot of their YA content. And so they do this really fun thing every spring where they get a couple of their 
pretty big authors and they'll tour them around the country. And instead of it being just like an author event with one person, they'll have a panel of all of these different authors. And we're moderating the one that's going to be here in, in Cleveland. I think it's actually the first one, isn't it? Yeah, I think this, it's the yeah, the one, the one that is at our local library is kicking off the, the, the tour. tour this year. So yeah. there's a lot of time. If you're interested, definitely go, um, Go to the, go, just search for Fierce Reads. You'll find it on, on but they have a really web, a good website. Mm-hmm. But anyway, one of the authors that's coming is this author named Taryn Matharu, and he has this series called The Summoner, and it the covers they look very white, like you'll they'll stand out. They're very YA um, specific, uh, and the first one is called The Novice, and the second one is called The Inquisition. The third book is coming out. Um, in a couple of weeks, I I didn't know anything about it. I'm obsessed. I read the first one in a day. I'm currently waiting for this workday to end so I can finish the second book, which I started yesterday. There's so much fun. There's magic and there's uh, creatures. It, it literally is like he took all of the best parts of your favorite fantasy and sci-fi young adult type things like Chronicles of Narnia and... Uh, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, and you just kind of mashed up all of what I assume is his childhood together sure, into this sure. movie. It's it's fun is the best way I can describe it. Um, it's one of those books where I will read several chapters and then look up at my wife and be like, and then this happened, and then this happened. <laughs> so it's, it's um, again, it's, the second one is called The Inquisition. The first one is called The Novice. It's in the Summoner series. We'll have a lot more about this in a couple weeks. Sure. Yeah, it's really fun. I love it. It's I want people to read it so that I, I mean, and there are, that if you look at his like Goodreads page for these books, there's a lot of reviews. So I'm, I'm now the first person who discovered these books, but man, are they fun. That's good to know. I'll yeah. to add them to my list. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going through all of my advanced reader copies of books for that and for Book Expo America. Oh my gosh, you guys, there's so many good. There's a lot of good stuff going on. So in. many good interviews that we'll have. So be sure to subscribe and then you'll get them automatically. Good job. I'm usually the one who's peddling that. Thank you for not making me do it. You're um, welcome. As I mentioned, if you want to get a hold of us on Twitter, we're at ProBookNerds. And if you want to shoot Jill and or I an email, you can do that at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? I think that's it. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, Jill, for cutting all this together. You were giving me some credit, but I don't deserve it. You did all the hard work on this one, so... Once you told me where they were in the interview, it was fine. <laughs> ah, you still did the editing part, which I hate. Anyway, uh, I think you guys will really like this. It's a di- little bit of a different episode, but it's it's cool to hear all these people. So happy National Library Week, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Okay, so speaking of early memories and yes. children's books and things like that, I've seen that you said one of your earliest memories is getting your library card. Yes. We are sitting in a library, a lot of library yep. fans. Love libraries, yeah. Would you mind just sharing some thoughts about libraries or an experience you have in a library? Anything? Absolutely. Um, so that story is when I was, I learned how to read when I was three, three and a half, and I was really smart, like really smart. <laughs> and my mom was like a huge reader. She used to go to the library every week and come home with a giant stack of books and read them all and then go back to the library every week. And all I wanted to do was be like her. And I had to learn how to write my name so that I could get my library card. And I, that is seriously one of my earliest memories is going to get my library card. And I remember it was green and we laminated it. It was very exciting. <laughs> and what the other story that I like to tell about libraries is that my first job was at, as a page at a library. Which I now think is a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah, to be a page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. 
Um, but I love libraries. I think, you know, what's really great is that sometimes I have, I have fans who'll write me on email and they'll say, I can't afford your book. And I always write back and say, how lucky for you that we have libraries. <laughs> That's the whole point of them, right? But, um, you know, we novelists are very grateful to libraries and to librarians. Okay, so given that Overdrive is a library company, one of my favorite questions to ask every author I interview is, do you have a favorite or a first memory about a library that you either had growing up or maybe you spent time with your children? Just Is there something that you look back and think of fondly about libraries? You know, in in one sense, that's a very hard question for me. Mm-hmm. I was born in a ghetto in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Sure. Um, my grandmother, who raised me, never finished elementary school. Mm-hmm. Books were not necessarily a part of my world. Mm-hmm. And yet, I know in my elementary school that there was a librarian. And heaven for Finn, I cannot remember her. I can't see her. Sure. And it's simply because a lot of my childhood, because it was so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, I just had blocked out. I just mm-hmm. simply don't remember. Sure. But there was a librarian who fed me books. Mm-hmm. And every week there were new books for me to read. Mm-hmm. She taught me the love of learning. And it was also that sense of when I wanted presents for Christmas, I would ask for books. Yeah. And so my family started calling me the little professor. And nobody <laughs> actually knew I would grow up to be a professor. I'm yeah. a professor at Arizona State. Yeah. So I don't, I don't remember this person I don't remember and there were lots not just the librarian but teachers and other people along the way but it's almost in a way the force the librarian the force will be with you the force will be good and as a child I didn't know that they were changing my destiny Mm -hmm. the destiny for my children and now my children's children but there was a librarian who fed my spirit when I would have been crushed. I think in my family, um, a lot of people ended up in jail. A lot of people got involved in crack addiction. Mm-hmm. A lot of people ended up in, in teenage pregnancies. And so that's why I also say that for der- I mean, character-driven stories, mm-hmm. even though they weren't reflecting me as an African-American child, in terms of the empathy and the fact that there were horizons in the world, those stories mattered too. Mm-hmm. All stories matter. So librarians, I love you, love you, love you, love you. Um, and I think that's what is probably most true to life. We maybe don't exactly remember the name. And it's the, the idea that you have all these men and women who are doing things because they love to do them mm-hmm. and they never get to see the, the impact necessarily. So here's a shout out. Thank you, librarians. And actually I'm going to cry because, um, I carry the spirit of all of you with me. Thank you very, very, very much. That's wonderful. And you mentioned your parents, something that you you referenced in your Newberry Award speech, which, by the way, was incredible. Thank I, was, you. I had chills just watching it. Every single time I watched it, I get chills. But you mentioned them being your first librarians. Yeah. And being that we're sitting in a library, can you maybe expand on that just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, learning, reading, it began in the home um, for me and my sisters. My parents' home was surrounded with books. There mm-hmm. were books in the bathroom. There were mm-hmm. books on the floor. There were books on every wall. Right. Like we were immersed in literature. And I think their idea was, you know, we're going to to create a world 
um, for you where you can imagine anything mm-hmm. for yourself. And right. we're going to do that through um, through the books that are on the shelves, mm-hmm. you know. And and so you were able to travel, you know, without leaving the house. Right. You were able to sort of see and uh, and understand other people and other communities without ever maybe even coming into contact with them yeah. through the pages in a book. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty powerful. You know, it allows us to be able to connect not only with ourselves and, and our, our own possibilities, but mm-hmm. with other people and with, right. you know, and become more empathetic and become more human. And I just, you know, my parents were, they were the first librarians. They made mm-hmm. us comfortable um, and knowledgeable uh, with and about books. Mm-hmm. And so when, when we went out into the world, you know, we were well-read and, and even if we tried to hide it, like I did, <laughs> you know, I figured, right. hey, I don't want to be... My, none of my friends were, you know, had books in the house like that. Right. So I didn't want to seem uncool. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really talk about it that much. Yeah. But that, that didn't mean I hadn't read Things Fall Apart mm-hmm. by, three times by the time I was 12. <laughs> right. Um, so Overdrive is a library company. We work with public and school libraries every single day. And so something that I love asking all the authors that I get to chat with is, do you have a favorite or a first memory of a library from when you were growing up? You know, I just talked about this. Um, I was just telling this story. My uh, And I love that I get to talk to a librarian. Here's why. Is my life was changed by a librarian. So okay. I can tell you that um, I'm the first in my family to go to a four-year college. My books were not in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, I had comic books that were there, but we never... My mom read The Star and the Inquirer. Mm-hmm. May she rest in peace. My mom and dad passed away. My mom used to read The Star and the Inquirer because she said all the news came from there. My dad <laughs> used to read The Sports Page. And that was all, there were no books in the house. Okay. But my grandmother was a reader. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother gave me the, the most powerful weapon anyone can give anyone else. She gave me a library card. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the Brooklyn Public Library, down the block from where she used to live, there was this librarian. I wish I, I you know, I, I tried to find her. I have no idea who she is. I'll never know her name. Mm-hmm. But I remember going to the library and she took me and she said, this is your section. And I literally thought she meant like these books were mine to right. keep. I was like, oh, these are mine. <laughs> and she introduced me to these people named Agatha Christie uh-huh. and Judy Bloom mm-hmm. and my favorite authors growing up. And that woman changed my life, that librarian. Mm-hmm. And I owe her forever. And she gave me that love of story mm-hmm. that I, you know, I, I was, I had some, in, obviously in comic books, I was always a comic book reader. Um, but, but books came always from the library. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the money to buy. In fact, my first hardcover book I ever bought, I didn't buy it until I was out of college. That's when I bought it. Cause I didn't have the money to pay for a hardcover book. Right. Um, and so I owe librarians forever. So to every librarian out there, there are all these people out there who you hand a book to and then they walk out and you're never going to remember their name and they'll never remember your name, but you are forever intertwined. They are all a part of your legacy and you change these lives without ever knowing it. And then speaking of libraries, I always love asking everyone I talk to. And since you're very involved in them, I assume you'll have a good uh, story about this, but do you have like a first or a favorite memory of maybe a time in a library when you were growing up by any chance? Well, um, I would have to say, even though this wasn't the part of Pittsburgh I grew up in, the main Carnegie Library in Pittsburgh, which is the first one, was not the first one that Andrew Carnegie founded, but it's one of the first ones, and it's a wonderful historic structure. Um, I remember going there when I was a little girl with my grandmother, who grew up in that neighborhood, and my aunt, who was a, um, she was a nun, but she was also an English professor at Carlo, which is a college also in Oakland, which is very close to this, um, this 
particular museum, this particular library. And I can remember going there to the children's department with them, just the three of us. And libraries have really always, and bookstores also, but libraries in particular have always been sort of a special place of refuge for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely think that that's those early library moments were where it all began. Do you have a favorite or a first memory of going to a library when you were a child? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. I feel like every writer has, you know, a story about the first the librarian they first knew or, a, you know, a first grade teacher that first introduced them to reading. Sure. Because for me, at least, we're all readers first before we become writers. Um, so for me, that person was actually my mom. And she, I remember her taking me to the library with the Sklow Public Library in State College, Pennsylvania, uh, twice a week because I read so much. Mm-hmm. And she's a person who, to this day, says, I feel rich when I have books. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I panic when I don't have any, any books to read. And also, when I was a kid, we spent a year living in Holland and we spent a year living in Thailand. And in Thailand in particular, and this was 1986, uh, there wasn't much globalization, you know, I was there when the first McDonald's opened, so, so there wasn't much American culture, and I felt fairly, kind of lonely, mm-hmm. um, despite going to an international school and having great friends. But my mom took me to, uh, I believe it was the library at the U.S. Embassy is where she found the most English language books. And I remember it just so clearly as, you know, a refuge. I, I really think churches, uh, sorry, libraries were sort of my churches. Mm-hmm. It was... It was a place where that was quiet and where I could go and contemplate and, and, and just even as a kid just felt so at home in libraries. Given that Overdrive is a library company, we work with libraries every day. One of my favorite things to ask authors is, do you have a first or a favorite memory of either a library or a librarian, something in a school, just something that you look back at fondly? involved in the library world. I do, actually. Something very vivid comes to mind. When I was in elementary school, uh, again, I I didn't even know what an introvert was, Mm -hmm. but I was already an introvert. So school was hard for me. You know, um, I like school, but being around people in a contained space for a long time with no private time um, really wore on me in a way that it didn't wear on my friends. Mm -hmm. And so the librarian, the elementary school librarian, would do this thing where we would go to the library and we could go anywhere we wanted so we could find some like quiet corner mm-hmm. to read yeah. and not only was it awesome because I loved reading books mm-hmm. but it was it was literally a place for me to recharge my battery mm-hmm. and it was the healthiest that I ever felt as a kid in school yeah. and when I think back on that um, you know it's, it's just it's God's, I didn't understand it at the time right. but for me it was really important it was also a time to fall in love with books you know like climb under a table and like escape to like a castle or something Absolutely. you know and so it's really beautiful. You know, a little bit about Overdrive, I told you about us a little bit. We're a library company, and we're at a library conference, so I just always ask everyone I talk to, do you have a favorite memory or, like, a first memory you can remember about a library to put you on the spot? Just something you love about it. I think one of my favorite memories is um, going to the library once a week with my grandma yeah. um, and 
I think I, I was in my early teens sure. at that point, and we would just go together, and she would pick up all these romance books, mm-hmm. um, and I would work my way through the YA section in the library. And at some point, I finished all of that, so I <laughs> went on to like the rest. Sure, <laughs> anything, everything with words on it. Um, but that was just so much fun because we had so many. We read totally different books, mm-hmm. but it was fun to like sh- share that experience Absolutely. and go out there and like talk about the books we read and, and grab new ones and um, yeah, discover new genres. Um, so yeah, so that was great. So Overdrive is a library company. We work with libraries every day. Um, you're a well-known <laughs> supporter of public libraries. Yeah. Uh, what do you think makes that, libraries and so school libraries, and school libraries as well? Yeah. Um, what do you think makes public and school libraries so vital to They're communities? Free. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, I don't. I mean, at, at this stage, I don't. I don't know of any civilizations where books haven't been any useful civilizations where books haven't been you know, really, really important mm-hmm. in terms of getting people to think. Yeah, you know, obviously right now people are just not thinking stuff through. And books, you know, one, make you more compassionate. I mean a lot of studies on that that you yeah, you kinda understand, yeah, you if you've read you know, half a dozen books about the Middle East or about Islam or whatever, your views are much broader than if you're just getting a little bit of hearsay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. college, the book that changed my life is a book called Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde. Mm-hmm. And that book changed my life. Yeah. A black lesbian woman writer mm-hmm. who died of liver cancer. Mm-hmm. She taught at City yeah. College. And if I hadn't read those collections of essays, mm-hmm. I don't think I would feel entitled to tell stories. Yeah. So, was she thinking of me? I don't think so. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. Because we're a book and library company, I was like asking, are there any authors out there, either whether you're, you're growing up or authors that you read these days that inspire you or anything that maybe you see other stories in the writing that you do? So when I, when I, my first experience of, of reading, I grew up in a, in a country, I grew up in Qatar in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, we had very limited access to books, especially fiction. Right. Um, and in fact, areas of, some areas of nonfiction were completely off limits. There was never a book about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that I could get my hands on that sure. just never made it past the censor. Um, certain books were censored. Uh, in fact, all media was censored. I still have my copy of, of Nirvana's Nevermind with the baby blacked out oh on my the cover, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I remember distinctly my first sort of adult reading experience being uh, sneaking into my school library and taking out the Stephen King books, which had the little red sticker on them, which meant only for upper-year students. Um, I didn't know anything about Stephen King, Uh but I knew I had to get the red sticker books. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.